Welcome to the Bellasad Bellin Podcast, the podcast for military-connected women, bringing messages of encouragement, humor, and practical how-to on topics that impact their lives most, equipping them to lead in the service and in the home with grace and wisdom. We care deeply about sharing accurate, timely, and relevant information with our listeners, but neither we nor our guests have a monopoly on truth and everyone's military experience is unique. The views expressed in any of our content, written or audio, do not necessarily reflect an official or acknowledged Department of Defense, United States Air Force, or other government agency position, policy, or view. Welcome to the second ever episode of Bellus Ad Bellum. Today we are going to be talking to an assignments officer at Air Force Personnel Command. His name is Patrick, and he's going to be talking to us about assignments and talent marketplace and life perspectives as you think about your assignments. We plan for this to be a two-part episode, so this will be the first part this week, and then we will do uh, another part next week on more assignment stuff. We are your hosts, Julie. And Bernadette. Hi, guys. Uh, I am told that I need to read uh, robotic-like from a piece of paper. And the uh, (laughs) first item is name uh, or go-by. So uh, Patrick's already been leaked. Also, uh, Regal is my go-by. So military affiliation, uh, Air Force, since the Air Force Personnel Command. How did you get started? What made you interested in this field? I must surely deeply hate myself. And or I was tricked. Okay, so he's literally reading verbatim. Uh, We're gonna. Oh, oh, I got one more. One more. What was your future plans uh, in our uh, are for yourself and in the military? That is to uh, conquer the known world and or drink a diet sprite where a room where no one touches me. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Good. I know you're being a little sarcastic, but I would want to ask. I do want to ask the question. So how how did you end up in Air Force Personnel Command? And for the listeners, we're going to start saying AFPC. So, so Patrick, how'd you end up there? Tell us a little bit about that. So uh, I was at a lunch uh, with somebody who at the time I didn't know, but had already been picked up to go do this job. And, uh, you know, I just got to Minot Air Force Base. Why not Minot, right? And uh, someone asked me like, hey, you know, so what did you do to get here? So I'm a, a B-52 uh, Wizzo, uh, weapon system officer. And I always knew that, you know, of the places in the world, Minot was going to be one of them that I lived. Uh, so I was very comfortable with it. I had no qualms about it. And uh, so this this person uh, that I was having lunch with sort of perked his ears up. I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. It's very unusual uh, comparatively to the people I speak to about you know how they got there and, and what their thoughts are. Most people uh, who first arrive in an austere location have, you know, only what they've heard about it uh, to say, and, and it's usually negative. So uh, I had a relatively positive aspect, and you know, I know most assignments are what you make of them. Awesome. Um, well, that's I mean, that's a good segue, actually. So you know, you kind of found out about your assignment, or you you kind of ended up in AFPC, um, and you and you ended up there in a positive way. And so for you know the uninitiated listener. What's kind of the basic assignment process for kind of an average airman? Um, You know, starting from, hey, you're kind of eligible to move or you might be eligible to move soon all the way through finding out where we're going. Um, What's kind of the what's kind of the norm there for for the assignment process? Man, such a such a layered question. (laughs) It's a a broad question. Sorry. Yeah, it it is. And there's you touched on so many different things and we'll, we'll hit on all of it here. But I think the what the 
basic airman out there is going to see is uh, they get an automated email. And so the email will say, hey, you've been identified uh, on the initial VML, which is a vulnerable to move list, not the you will move list. So people, <laughs> when you get this email, don't freak out immediately. It just means probably you have done your time in the place that you're at. And uh, you're one of those uh, that we just by metrics have determined are, are a possible mover. So uh, from there, your commander or commanders uh, go to bat for you and say, well, this person has been looking forward to, you know, a particular type of assignment. I wish them good luck and hope they go do this thing. Or they say, hey, for a variety of reasons, uh, we would like to keep them here on station. And we at AFPC take that information and we weigh our requirements levied on us by various agencies to fill other billets and the commander and the member preference. Uh, and some people stay and some people are uh, are on the move list at the end, the actual you are leaving your base list. So that, that's the that's the general timeline. And then from there, you know, you'll uh, hopefully talk in person to your assignment officer. That doesn't always happen. It's very career field specific and you know there are just there's too much volume in some career fields to actually have one-on-ones i'm lucky yeah. lucky to have only about uh it's under four thousand people and so uh i take every phone call and every email that i get uh, and do my best to and talk to the person uh on you know a, a real level and so uh hopefully you have that are able to have that conversation maybe your commander has it on your behalf uh from there you will get an assignment rip and uh, just realize that that just means there's now a thousand lo- uh, hoops you have to jump through uh, before you get your orders. So at AFPC, they cut assignments and they give you assignment rips. And then at your local FSS, uh, you will work through getting your orders. And so those distinctions are very important because people are very frustrated usually with not being able to get orders, which means that they can't get uh, travel management office to... Uh, you know, organize their actual movers, come get their stuff and get to their new base. And so we are the very front side of that. And once the assignment route gets to you, it's on your uh, local force support squadron to uh, help you through the rest of the move process. Yeah, it's, it's very true. A lot of people get frustrated with that. And uh, that's good. It's good debunking of a myth. Because uh, I've always heard that, you know, oh, we don't have your orders. Go harass your functionals. To to that end, so you mentioned in there that kind of the functionals and um, different assignment teams and how different you know different strokes for different folks within the different career fields. How is the AFPC organized, uh, or you know what are the different roles in terms of who plays into the whole assignment process? Uh, well, y'all Bernadette, can- I am glad you asked. <laughs> y'all can't see it right now. Maybe if if we're able to, we will post these slides but literally patrick has his laptop set up right now and he has a slide pulled up on his laptop that breaks down the areas that's brilliant right we're gonna post that yeah afpc was recently um reorganized by function so it had been organized like most magic cons a1 through etc except for most of global oh sorry of afpc (laughs) is actually an a1 shop so uh, they right there's no Intel function. Well, to yeah, right. There's an or... Intel assignments office, and that's it. So it doesn't make any sense. So they they reorganize by function, and uh, it's a department or DP, and uh, it's DP zero through three. DP zero is uh, self service. So this is probably 
who you encounter the most. You know, it's uh, the online, the very basic parts of AFPC. So, you know, anything on the internet and the people who have basic tech support to that. DP1 is the repeatable mappable activities. So probably the next most frequent people you talk to, if you call AFPC, if you look online for any phone number, you're going to get the Total Force Service Center. Uh, having a good community relationship with your functional is pretty important because they're probably going to get to your actual question or the answer to your actual question a lot faster. But you have to be able to know how and, and have that relationship to be able to talk to your functional. So uh, DP1, again, uh, Total Force Service Center is how I would encompass most of DP1's function. There are a few other computer functions that go into that. Um, but, uh, you know, that's the science, uh, you know, very ones and zeros answers to most of your questions. DP2 is where I live. Um, that's the art side of things. Uh, that's where all of the uh, assignment officers live and the lower volume, high level subject matter expertise live, my slide says. And then uh, DP3 is policy. Uh, these are the people that you actually want to hate on. When you're, when you're upset with your functional, just realize that we are executing policy given to us from on high. Some of that policy, in fact, most of that policy is derived from half directives. Uh, the rest of it is AFPC, AFIs, so Air Force instructions uh, developed at and by uh, AFPC in the policy DP3 uh, area. And then again, where I live, just love your function a little bit. We are just executing that policy. Uh, so I want to jump in there with a, a kind of a segue question. Can you explain what, what we might call the flow chart? within the DOD from a personnel policies viewpoint, uh, that is who makes, then interprets, then implements, then executes personnel policies and at what level? Because I I know that if AFPC ever burns down, like half of the Air Force membership is going to be suspect. Because, right, because we have all <laughs> hated on AFPC at one time or another. But you know what we're, we're in the trust tree, right? <laughs> Circle of trust. But what you just said kind of makes it sound like um, a lot of those things that we dislike as individual members aren't necessarily up to AFPC. That maybe those policy decisions are being made someplace else. So I guess just maybe giving you a chance to defend your MAGCOM, or maybe maybe it turns out that you can't defend them at all. But at least provide some clarity about. Um, how policy is uh, made and then implemented and then executed down the chain. First, I'd like to just address the audience here and, and let everyone raise their hands and say something akin to, hi, I'm Regal and uh, I'm an arsonist. I have had thoughts of burning down AFPC. <laughs> um, hi, I'm Bernadette and I've had thoughts. No, right? I know, right? Like I, I remember talking like, oh man, so let me get this straight. Julie, you and I are, are, are married, theoretically, right? And we should be together, but the Air Force has decided that, you know, for the next year plus, we should, no, that's, no, AFPC, the enemy, nah. Or you've just had a baby and you found out that, you know, like in three months, you're going to have to take a short tour, you know, prior to oh, the policy. So um, many topics. This might be a twofer. This is going to go long. We start talking about short tours. So, uh, I mean, this is a really easy question. You could probably just look this up, but it's, you know, law and then DOD instruction and then AFI. Some of those yeah. AFIs are interlocking. So you may have like a 
one AFI from a different area, and then AFPCs, AFIs. You know, each each MagCon and above, there are AFIs that guide everybody's actions, and that's really where it is. So the, the interesting part, I think, is that uh, there is a waiver or an exception to policy to virtually everything we've heard, right? So all of the AFPC AFIs are waiverable at the commander level. So, and below that there's a uh, one star or a, uh, right now it's a civilian, so one star equivalent. And so <laughs> all these AFIs uh, are either at, at one of those levels, you know, waiverable. So other AFIs are pretty hard and fast. Uh, and I just, I think it's interesting that, you know, we have this, we have matrix upon matri matrices upon matrices for uh, the different rules that we are willing to break and uh, who it takes to break those rules. So, uh, you, you know, it's, it's pretty clear above the level of AFPC, you know, we abide by all of those laws and, and duty instructions and other AFIs. Uh, and so we don't violate anyone else's rules, but we'll violate, violate our own rules left and right. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. That's awesome. You hinted at it a little bit ago, you know, when you just kind of gave us a rough rundown of the assignment process, but what kind of things like go into, you have a, a potential individual, right? They're on the vulnerable to move list and uh, they're ready for a match. What goes into to matching? How's that work? You know, yeah. what are the priorities? Ooh. It's, it's a tiered structure. So uh, the rated manning directive is a document mm -hmm. that's published annually by the uh, chief of staff of the air force. And uh, that delineates uh, what priorities different organizations get billets filled. Non-flying AFSC has something similar. Uh, yeah. and, and then at some point it, they have those assignment officers and different AFSCs have much more um, agency or, or leniency to do basically what they want for officers, right? So enlisted, by the way, is a very different system. So probably a volume issue. Uh, nothing does, nothing about the enlisted uh, other than there's just a lot of them. So um, when you are between a lieutenant and captain, uh, you're probably going to be governed by you know, hard facts, right? Like, so you're doing the J-O-B, uh, you know, the, you're, you're really the people in the trenches. So uh, for flyers, is the people crushing the lines doing, you know, sortie after sortie for long, long times. And so we need those people, right? And uh, we probably need them the most. Uh, and then you start to graduate to the uh, leadership aspect of your job. Yeah, you know, and uh, so what that looks like from an assignment level is that you have squadron level jobs uh, and uh, those get the priority. In the flying world, uh, those are the number one priority is the actual people who are flying. Uh, and those have to be filled for us at 90 to 100%. And uh, rated officers, it's, again, explicitly written. So uh, after uh, flying for an operational squadron, the next priority is doing uh, Air Education Training Command flying. So training, uh, training in the next, training exactly. the other flyers. Uh, and then once they're released to the staff world, it, you have uh, the staff match. So you asked about how it's matched. Well, at the beginning, in that lieutenant to captain, older captain even realm uh it's pretty mm -hmm. easy you know you have to fill billets and uh if you if you have extra people then maybe you get to do extra cool things out there there's uh something called institutional requirements which for rated get the lowest priority but it's uh 
things like oh, yeah. instructors at uh, the academy or uh, ROTC or actually anything that they don't have a category for becomes an institutional yeah. requirement. So for a, uh, a maintenance officer, if they have an abundance of maintenance officers, which I doubt is the case, uh, then you know maybe someone can do something career broadening. They've been doing the, the job for long enough. They're an older captain, but they're not quite staff ready. They'll do an institutional requirement. For staff, each MAGCOM prioritizes their one through N uh, priority list of jobs. Their actual billets that they think are the most important, and they put them in order, and they give them to half. And uh, every single MAGCOM does that, and then AFPC takes that, uh, and half gives us their priority of the hopefully year, sometimes more flavor of the week, and uh, forces us to combine all of those one through end lists and gives each assignment desk their fill list. So they have an overall priority fill list uh, and they give it to fighters, they give it to bombers, intel, maintenance, 13 limas, which are battlefield airmen. Everyone gets you know their portion of the staff list and they try and fill it. Yeah. And the, the importance of the one to end is that you have to fill it in priority order. So uh, you usually get the least desirable at the top. And this goes with most type lists. Uh, AATC fly jobs are the same. So Laughlin will show up at the top, right? Or uh, Global Strike C2 608 AOC uh, is for some reason unpopular. And, and that tends to be at the uh, top of the bomber list. So you, you have to fill those before you can get to, uh, there's a job in Brazil, for instance. Um, sure. You know, that you get to, that's at the bottom of the list. And there's usually uh, a floating cut line uh, that people talk about. And that's, you know, if you have, I have 70 officers that could possibly move, and I have 180 billets. Well, my cut line's probably going to be around 60-something. Right. We're, we're not going to necessarily be able to match all those. So that is a very large view picture of how the assignment cycle goes. So uh, depending on what level you're at, um, it may look very different. Uh, so yeah. how does a by name requests process affect that process that you just talked about? So uh, we should actually talk about talent marketplace first. Uh, we'll we'll get back to that, but uh, I, I think the the bottom line, what people everywhere would be interested to in, know, is that the by name request process yields less than fifty percent results. So what really matters is the CSAF priorities. I've had you know conversations with multiple star generals, and you know very respectfully trying to explain to them that because they don't have four stars. Uh, they can't get what they want. Basically, you can ask for whoever you want to, and, and so everyone knows you can only truly be by name requested if you're a major and above. Uh, so that's kind of something probably people don't know. At any rate, uh, with Talent Marketplace, we'll get into that. Uh, I'll explain that in a second. But basically, everybody can be by name requested down to the lieutenant level. Uh, so uh, we've included something into the software called a Senior Raider Flag. And just because you've been by name requested does not mean that you're actually going there. So then tell us about Talent Marketplace, uh, how that's working out. Uh, how is that different from the process that some of us um, older, I guess, folks may be used to? Um, what should people know about the new Talent Marketplace? You may have seen it. Uh, right now, the only people using it have been... Uh, 17 deltas so and that's 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 my field right. so i've i've seen it in action because my captain just just went through it so what are your uh what are your takes on it so far well mm. um 
So what I observed was, you know, the old Airman Development Plan, you kind of had to organize your preferences 1 to N or 1 to 25, um, you know, location-based. And you may or may not have insight into the actual job that was available at that location. Um, you could look at requisitions and then kind of try and do a rough correlation. But Talent Marketplace, at least from what I could tell, gave a lot more insight into what jobs were open, a specific job that was open at a particular place and allowed you to prioritize one to, and I'm not sure what the number was, but it was probably on the order of 20 to 25. Um, and you could actually prioritize the specific jobs that you wanted uh, and that you were interested in. And in doing that, you could also get some insight into how many other folks put that as their top choice. And so you could see, oh, you know, 30 people have put this job in, you know, X location as their top choice my odds of getting that may be lower than this this job that I also like that I was going to put number two, but, you know, only one other person has put it at, at, at the top of their list. So it gave you some neat insight into, at least for me, I thought it was neat to get some insight into being able to see more of the actual playing field of, of what was going on in the assignment space. And then I, I think what happens after that is the commanders are allowed to bid for the individuals who have submitted a desire to go to their position um, but I'm, I'm not really sure how the flip side of that works and so I would, I would i would i'd give that back to you so it's that's kind of interesting you talking through the talent marketplace process because that's not a whole lot different from what i'm used to for my assignment process in my career field in my career field we had what was called a pearl the prioritized requirements list which is yep. as i understand it similar to what you had in talent marketplace a list of all the requirements that are out there that had to be filled this move cycle. Um, but what's different about this process, it sounds, is I, I never got to see who was bidding or at least how many people were bidding for some of those jobs. I could, I could kind of figure it out by talking to people in my community, but I had no idea. Yeah, you're, you're both spot on. I, I really wanted to hear the outside perspective I had forgotten that you'd transferred to 17 Delta. And so that's, that's great that you were able to see that it's your experience is uh, fairly uh, emblematic of, of what we, I think hoped, uh, you know, as a baseline to, to see. So I'm glad that the basic concept is we wanted more transparency. So uh, like Julie was saying, uh, you know, the Pearl, uh, and that's not just for her previous career field, that's still out there for others. Um, is your only guide to possible jobs out there? And it's maddening. I, you know, as an assignment officer and even as the member, hated uh, the pearl. And, and and previously, I didn't even know I hated it. I just did. So it's a it's a prioritized list, but you don't see the priority. So uh, and, and with talent marketplace, you don't necessarily necessarily see the priority. There's a lot more visibility. So you know, uh, you, you like Bernadette said, you get to see thirty people bid on this, or, or I think it's. Uh, Bid is what the billet owner gets to do to you, and yeah. uh, favorite or star is what you get to yeah. do to the billet. So Talent Marketplace uh, is a part of uh, the architecture of my vector. One person described Talent Marketplace uh, in the last two cycles that we've been using it as a uh, an airplane that you're building while you're flying it. So uh, it's, it's pretty wild and crazy in the beginning. So the first people to use it were the uh, fighter pilots. In typical fighter pilot fashion, uh, they saw something new, decided uh, they hated it, and moved on. I'm just kidding a little bit. But uh, 
they uh, uh, they got to be the uh, test monkeys for it. They vetted out a lot of bugs on the positive side. On the negative side, they started to make it look a little bit like a fighter pilot website, you know, which is a very specific community. And so as it grows, just understand that it has grown from being flyer-centric to Air Force-wide. So there's going to be some functionality to it that doesn't maybe make sense to you, um, but it's it has uh, uses to other career fields. So as you go, and it will completely replace the ADP and, and the old uh, vector sector part of Prada. That will completely go away. Those old, like, 1990s-looking websites will disappear, and uh, my vector will take off. Uh, if, if you do have complaints about it, you know, be up front uh, with that. Let us know so that we can fix it. But yeah, so you nailed it earlier. Uh, the bottom line for talent marketplace portion of my vector. So my vector comes in two parts. The first part is uh, your school section. So the, the old 3849. 3849. Thanks. I don't care yeah. enough about school. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so that part has been uh, subsumed by uh, the my vector portion, your uh, ODPDE. And, uh, and that's where you say, hey, I would like to go to these schools, and this is my number one. Uh, and if you're so lucky to be selected for school, uh, the DT will, you know, uh, look at those if you're in the top ranking. And if you're not, you're going to ACSE. Congrats. The other part of uh, my vector website is Talent Marketplace, which we've been talking about. And it's super user-friendly, y'all. I mean, not to be, uh, you know, a Air Force monkey and give a plug for it, but I will get on there. Uh, you know, update your senior reader. That's probably the most important thing. And then go explore it. So you're going to see if you're on there, you're going to see probably an old cycle. Um, we're going to post to uh, this uh, form, whatever you guys have, hopefully, the assignment timeline. So you can see the uh, if you're uh, one of those who are going to be on the new uh, summer cycle. There's more and more AFSCs being included. And get on there. It's very user-friendly. Uh, there's a big map at the beginning. You say you can delineate by location. I think, though, something y'all were talking about I'd like to touch on. The most important thing, and there's a free text portion, by the way, just like there was with your ADP, uh, where you state what you want. Uh, there's a disconnect, though. So in ADPs, you could write whatever you wanted, but unless your commander wrote it and then staffed it up, it didn't go anywhere. So, you know, have fun writing all day. Talent Marketplace and my vector, two places you can put free text, very different. They save automatically. Exactly. Exactly. They save. They save oh as gosh. you go. That's so, gonna be yeah. dangerous. It no, can I be. Hopped, it I hopped is. in. I hopped into my vector on Wednesday or Thursday of last week and put in some, you know, flavor text. So user beware. Don't be flippant, yes. right? Like I know. I know. I have been on some sort of website. <laughs> That's why I'm like, saying this could be dangerous. Like yeah, at least is. prior to Talent Marketplace, my commander had a chance to say, "Uh, you probably shouldn't be saying this to AFPC." It sounds like. So, so your commander used to have to approve your comments, right? And now your comments are on there regardless. Your commander, most commanders, not all, will put comments in there, and, and they really should, you know, encourage your commander uh, to get with the times. You know, I, I know they need to go in there. They need, they need to write something, say, you know, I agree with member or something. You know, usually most, uh, most commanders have something very detailed to say about the person. Uh, but, <laughs> man, if they don't, the the member could really get ahead of their commander, get way outside the lines, and the website is designed to allow that to happen. So, you know, they, they want to hear from all sides, and they didn't want to curtail people's comments. So, uh, at their own peril, possibly. 
So. so what do you look for in members' comments and then commanders' comments? Since there seems to be so much free space there, what what needs to be in there? What shouldn't be in there? Mostly that, that we're inside the boundaries of realistic, and for the member, that, that could be a much larger boundary. Uh, but between the member and the commander, I just want them to be on the same page. It happens very frequently where the, the member wants something, and a commander has uh, a different view of the mission and is able to like say, well, okay, that's nice, but you have to do X, Y, and Z first or whatever uh, before we can make your dream come true. And so, you know, AFPC may not be able to see that. You know, we see a lot of things, and um, but it's really incumbent uh, upon the commander uh, to to really say that. So when the commander doesn't put a, a comment in there, uh, he's really trusting an AFPC to, I guess. You know, have the old school conversations, which I at least try to do, but we now have a new system and without putting comments in there, they're really putting trust uh, in the system, which I don't think they intend to do. So. so to borrow kind of an example from, I guess, my past. So, you know, if a, if a individual wants to do a particular thing, you know, or, you know, make their wildest dreams come true that isn't quite aligned with a, what the commander would say is the right path, right? The career pyramids and you know, there's education plans for each of the AFSCs and stuff like that, and it kind of shows the general trajectory you should take as you progress through the ranks. So if an individual doesn't really want to do that, and but what, they're, what they want to do is maybe not insane, you know, perhaps for a flyer, it's, hey, I want to keep flying, and, and the right career move is to go do a staff job. Uh, is that the kind of thing that they should say or could say in their comments, or is that to their peril? Yeah, definitely to their peril. I, I would warn against that. And that's where it's really, it's great to have a good relationship with your functional. So in the flying world, I see this most with uh, commanders who, as you alluded to, uh, they want to make little mini me's, right? And so they got into command by doing, you know, certain steps. And, and they're like, wow, I did that. It worked great for me. I'm going to go be the next general of the Air Force. And so everyone else should be like me. Well, I understand that, you know, and, and that's great. And that's going to work for like exactly 10% of the people that this guy has at the very most. So what I would suggest is not putting those contrary dreams in your uh, free text and maybe just emailing your functional and saying like, hey, my commander has is looking out for me. He has uh, only the best in mind, but his vision is not my vision. And while I'm on that, I would charge everybody listening to be introspective with your life and your career. So when you're thinking about your next move, work target back. So think big picture. Don't think like I want to be at blank part of my career when I retire. Think when I'm about to die, these are the things that I would like to have accomplished. And kind of work back from there, right? So like I want to be in a nursing home uh, and I want to be comfortable. Uh, so I want to make money. So I want to retire by the time I'm 50 you know, with a lucrative job, which means that, you know, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and back up and, and keep family in mind when you're doing that, right? Because you're going to retire at 20 or, or a little past that probably just, you know, statistically speaking, it's not going to be much more than that. You know, your family's going to be with you and the Air Force is going to be glad to be rid of you. So just have that in mind when you make your long-term goals and work target back. So, you know, understand that retirement's part of the Air Force portion of your plan, uh, but your family life and uh, where you land after the Air Force is really your ultimate goal. So, so figure that out, figure out your own goals, be introspective, like I said, uh, and then work back to, hey, I'm a captain, and should I do this or not? That's deep stuff. That's really good. 
So a big thanks to Patrick for joining us this week. And as we mentioned at the beginning, we will do a second part of this same conversation next week. So hope to see you next week as we talk more about assignments, moving, career goals, uh, all of that. Thanks for listening to the Bella Said Bellum podcast. You can find notes or resources related to this topic on our social media community. Check us out, like, follow, or subscribe on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Bellis at Bellum. Join us for our next episode, and in the meantime, let us to the battle. We take great care to seek out subject matter experts who are knowledgeable and experienced in their fields to be guests. However, everyone's military experience is unique, and the views of our guests and our hosts do not necessarily reflect an official or acknowledged Department of Defense, United States Air Force, or other government agency position, view, or policy. Content is provided for informational purposes only, and we make no claim as representation of official sources.